0: He hated that name. It reminded him of a big crane standing in a pool of water. He preferred the Big Dipper. His family and all of West Philly called him Dippy. In spring 1962, professional sports in America, like the nation itself, stood at the river's edge, the waters beginning to rise and churn. The 50s had seen Connie Mack, the tall tactician, born during the Civil War, managing the Philadelphia A's in the shy park dugout for the last time wearing his three-piece suit, necktie, detachable collar, and derby or straw skimmer. The fifties had seen the NBA in its bumbling adolescence, the stepchild of the college game, virtually unloved and unwatched, with crowds so small, the joke went, the public address announcers introduced the players and then the fans. In those early years, it was a rough game. Played by military veterans and other assorted rogues rebounding with their elbows out, so rough some NBA dressing rooms kept boxes in which players deposited their false teeth before they went out to play. Players smoked cigarettes, even at halftime, and washed their own uniforms in hotel room sinks, or sometimes didn't. The game was that raw and run on a shoestring. Then, into the NBA's search for itself, strode Wilt Chamberlain. For the Philadelphia Warriors' owner, a nickel-and-dime Barnum named Eddie Gottlieb, here at last was a must-see main act. In the old days in Philly, Gotti had scheduled and promoted any teams wearing spikes or sneakers, up to 500 semi-pro baseball games a week, the Second Ward Republican Club, the All-American Thespian League featuring baseball teams like the House of David, and the Zulu Jungle Giants. It wasn't just that Will Chamberlain was a scoring champion. Gotti had had plenty of those. Joe Falks, Neil Johnston, twice, and Paul Arizon, twice. More than scoring, the dipper added aesthetic value with his athletic grace and beauty. Gotti paid him $75,000 for this season, three times the amount he had paid for the entire franchise ten years earlier. He knew it would be a lovely relationship, an old-world Jew and a Philadelphia Negro, showmen both. The Dipper would score, stun, or win. People would talk. They'd pay to see him. They'd tell friends. Gotti would win titles, help grow the young pro league. He would make a killing. And so, with a minute twenty-five to play on a winter night in a town made famous not by basketball but by chocolate, there unfolded a spectacle, a mesmerizing show of power, a moment in history. Here came the Philadelphia Warriors guard York Loresi, son of an immigrant tinsmith from northern Italy, leading the fast break. Loresi took the ball to the middle, a teammate angling on either side of him, three Warriors moving toward the New York Knickerbockers basket perfectly choreographed. But from behind, covering ninety-four feet and twelve strides, Chamberlain was coming, and Larissie felt the force. The local kids had left their seats in the Hershey Sports Arena by now, and they pressed close to the court, and they shouted, Give it to Wilt! Give it to Wilt! From the Warriors' bench, Coach Frank McGuire, a dandy from the Irish side of Greenwich Village, called out those same words, The tinsmith's son cradled the ball in his right hand and drove toward the basket, nicks converging on him from all sides. At the last moment, Lurisi lifted the ball high. A lob pass to Chamberlain. Lurisi's momentum carried him beneath the basket and beyond the baseline, and as he drifted from the play, he looked back, and what he saw was unforgettable. Beautiful and monstrous, exquisite and terrifying— A hugeness unlike anything he'd ever seen on a basketball court, rising up, 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 Chamberlain, long and lean, leaping with both arms extended above his head, revealing across his white jersey, P-H-I-L-A, 13, catching the ball twelve and a half or thirteen feet above the hardwood floor, two and a half or three feet above the flimsy rim, and in one motion, Slamming it through the basket with a ferocity that branded itself in Larissa's memory. The ball bounced high off the floor, and the PA announcer Dave Zinkoff, the Zink, called out on the public address system That's 98! Introduction Wilt Chamberlain died on a mountaintop, alone, in bed. "'beneath a retractable ceiling that allowed him to see the stars. "'The gardener found his body, which is how it often works in Hollywood. "'The dipper lived alone, a life he chose. "'His gardener had arrived and called out to him but heard no response. "'The gardener often did handyman work around the house "'and knew the house rarely was locked. "'He went inside and called out again, still no answer. "'Then he walked upstairs.' into the master bedroom. In a panic, the gardener's first call went to Chamberlain's attorney. Cy Goldberg had first met Chamberlain before that remarkable 1961-62 season. He'd set himself up in the San Fernando Valley in a Granada Hills storefront, where he'd received a call seeking his counsel. Chamberlain, the young basketball star in Philadelphia, was building Villa Chamberlain, a 40-unit apartment complex in downtown Los Angeles, near the sports arena. He intended to move his parents there to manage the complex and to get them out of the Philadelphia cold. But the money budgeted for construction was fully spent. Mechanics' liens for unpaid bills had been filed, and workers were picketing. It made for bad press. Ike Richmond, Chamberlain's Philadelphia attorney and business manager, Was looking for legal help in L.A. That's how the friendship began. It deepened over the decades with Goldberg serving as Chamberlain's financial advisor, lawyer, and confidant. The Dipper had long surrounded himself with Jewish attorneys, accountants, and advisors. Goldberg believed this was due in part to the Dipper's mother having worked years before as a domestic for Jewish families in Philadelphia with whom she shared warm relations. In 1958, Philadelphia Warriors owner Eddie Gottlieb and Harlem Globetrotters owner Abe Saperstein competed for rights to sign Chamberlain, who later confessed, It was the first time I'd ever gotten between two Jews. Once, Chamberlain showed up at Goldberg's house for the Passover Seder. Everyone was dressed casually except Wilt, who wore a fine suit and proudly placed a yarmulke on his head. He insisted they read every word of the Haggadah. He wanted to hear the account of the Israelites' deliverance from slavery. And this was how their friendship of nearly four decades ended. On October 12, 1999, Goldberg, ashen-faced, escorted into the Chamberlain's bedroom by the Los Angeles Police Department. The Dipper looked peaceful in bed, his head on a pillow, not a sign of strain on his face. Goldberg told the LAPD what he knew. Wilt had not been feeling well. He'd had dental surgery recently, and it had caused him pain that he had described as his worst ever. He'd lost weight over the past few months. Fifty pounds, maybe more. His hips caused him trouble, too. How old? Yes, he was sixty-three. Any issues with his heart? Well, over the years, yes. Dazed, Goldberg heard an LAPD detective ask, Can you tell if anything here is missing? He walked the detectives through the rooms. Chamberlain's house was a Hollywood celebrity in its own right. It was a period piece locked in the early 1970s, purple shag carpeting everywhere, a house described by one architectural critic as a curiosity with moments of genius, an admiring critique that aptly summarized Wilt himself. Ursa Major, he called it, named for the constellation that included the Big Dipper. Built on a World War II Nike missile site, the house featured a series of interlocking equilateral triangles, an idea borrowed from Frank Lloyd Wright. Its five-story pitched roof resembled, from certain angles, Darth Vader's helmet, made from 200 tons of stone and enough redwoods to build 17 traditional houses, surrounded by a moat, Ursa Major had been filled with eccentricities. A 55-foot tall stone fireplace, an indoor pool, a triangular front door, a bedspread made from the stitched fur of 17,000 arctic wolves' noses, a circular dining room table accompanied by...